Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. This is Scott Kelly from Boston. This is Jim Towns from LA. Thank you again so much for joining us. We've got a very, very interesting one. I'm going to underline that and uh, with bold italics. Very interesting <laughs> film for you guys today. Captive Wild Women from 1943, starring John Carradine as Dr. Sigmund Walters, Evelyn Akers as Beth Coleman, who I looked at her um, filmography for 1943. Any idea how many films she did? Jim, this is just a quick trivia question for you. Well, it's going to be something ridiculous. It'll be like 12, right? It was pretty damn close. Nine films in 1943. (laughs) It seemed like every, because we've seen Evelyn and quite a few things either on this podcast or just for our own personal use. I'm like, she seemed to get a ton of work between like 40, like Wolfman 41. 4243 yeah. nine films in just this year alone so she's well, a hard working son, son of dracula this year or is son of dracula after yeah this? son of dracula and mad gold yeah. both yeah. this year oh mad gold that's right she's well she's so she's so strong she's so consistent she's a great foil you know to, to the to the lead but she's also uh holds her own as well Milbert Stone as Fred Mason. So Fred Mason is going to be Evelyn Anker's uh, beau, if you will. Before Cher, before Madonna, there was Aquanetta, mm. who was uh, one of her, fir- maybe, I don't know if it was her first film, but one of her very early films, but highly featured in this film, at least on you know, all the poster art that I could find. Aquanetta is a standalone name here. And really, I don't think yeah. it had quite a, too much of a resume, but Aquanetta is playing uh, Paula Dupree, a.k.a. the Ape Woman, AKA the Venezuelan volcano had a right. you know, <laughs> whole whole ton of names. So very, very interesting career. Very interesting. Um, I need to credit Clyde Betty. So as we're talking about the film, we're talking, going to be talking about a lot of animal acts and, um, you know, lions and tigers and, and et cetera. So Clyde Betty was the big game hunter and lion tamer for all of everything you see in this film. I mean, sort of a, sort of a predecessor of Siegfried and Roy, right? You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, that that's the most recent, uh, you know, you know, version of, of of him. He was quite quite a deal, and he did a few films. He did this. He he would, did uh, Africa Screams with Avon Costello, usually just playing himself. And and in this, he he is the we'll just call him the stunt double for for Mil- Milburn Stone. Whenever Milburn is in there, and you see him working actively in in frame with the wild, you know, tigers and, and lions, that's Clive Beatty. It, it does seem like Milbert Stone was cast more for his resemblance to Clive Beatty than he was for his charisma, possibly. And they did a really good job. Yeah, Fred, the character. It matches really well. And yeah, played by Mil- um, Milbert Stone. They do. They look quite a bit alike. So, all right, let's get right into this. This is an, an interesting one. So I'm going to start with a very quick synopsis. So um, I had to watch this one a number of times. Not, it wasn't a film I was extremely tight on i hadn't seen it too many times in my life but i guess i'm mad doctor for this movie is uh named dr sigmund walters who's played by uh, john carradine extremely well by the way um mr john carradine does a very very nice job 
So he's a scientist or a doctor specializing in glandular research. So basically the premise of his work is he extracts glands or you know sex hormones from beings and then they, he injects them into other beings. So for instance, he uses glandular research to cure deformities. So Dr. Um, Walters uses the glands of patients to cure other patients. And as we get into the movie, actress friend Evelyn Akers, her character, Beth Coleman, has a sister who is having, um, I don't think they really specifically say what issue she has, but you know, isn't feeling well, just under the weather, a little bit blue. Beth Coleman takes her sister to this Dr. Walters in hopes that his glandular research, you know, might be able to help her to kind of get her out of this funk. So so that's queerly a quick premise of the film. And uh, this is a, a very short film. I mean, Universal isn't known for going too, too long with the film, 70, 80 minutes, 90 minutes, maybe, maybe. This is a very tight 60-minute film. And I don't know, maybe I'm showing my cards a little bit early, but this felt a lot longer than 60 minutes. I don't know if you... <laughs> it did. It did a bit. Both, both times I watched it, I, I would agree. Yeah, it was um, 60 minutes. Doesn't feel like a, tr- um, I don't say a true universal film. I mean, you know, have Evelyn Akers, as we know, and John Carradine, and they've got, you know, the monster. They've got some really great effects that we'll get into later on, but... It definitely feels like a not a not a universal film. I'm not exactly sure where this came from. Um, it, it, it gets into this thing where some of these more bargain basement universal films start feeling a little monogrammy. Um, you start having this poverty row style of like <clears throat> very simply shot scenes with one camera, one shot, one take. And that's that, that's just the necessity of like, I don't know actually what the budget for this one was. I, I don't think it was much. And I think most of it probably went to, to Clive Beatty. I, I, I feel like, I, and, and this is me just backwards engineering the project in my mind, but I, I feel like it's it wouldn't be far-fetched to think that, that Universal had some kind of deal with Clive Beatty. They filmed a few days of him in a cage with a bunch of animals. And then we're like, okay, well, now we have to make a story around this because of the of the 60 some minutes the film lasts i would say 20 minutes of that at least is just footage of lions and tigers and 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 a and a trainer in a cage i don't want to say it's excessive because it is sort of the point of the film it's a lot it, it's, <laughs> it's, it, well, it gets almost awkward i mean and we'll we'll get there when yeah. we get there but towards the end of the film <laughs> in kind of like the third act you know the villain is running amok with the damsel in distress and then we've yeah. got just these random shots of That's you know damsel in a cage with it. Just, yeah yeah just whipping and <laughs> yeah. i don't know yeah. it's, it's it gets a little fetishy i guess i will say <laughs> i don't know but we'll we'll, we'll get further into that we'll get um there. We'll get there. Yeah, but I just feel like maybe that's it's an asset they had, and it's like, look, we got this Clive Beatty guy. Maybe we're paying. We've already paid him for something, whatever. Let's let's figure out. You know, some scribe gets the gig. Like, look, we got a lot of footage of a guy training lines and tigers. I don't. I, I don't think- know why my. I don't know why my studio head is always from Jersey. Um, but he is. Uh, so, you know, write something with a, with a guy and a thing. And yeah, we got John Carradine in there. We got a gorilla suit. Go. You know, I, you know what, man? I never thought of it. I think you're probably right on. They've got, yeah. you know, actors under contract. I, I think you're right on. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not a bad, you know, premise for a film. And I do think the premise of the film is kind of fun. It's it's really neat. I will say that every poster for this film lies horribly because every poster has a gorilla carrying Aquanetta kind of, you know, Forbidden Planet style in that classic kind of way, uh, which itself is a lie. She's not really... A captive and she's not really a wild woman so so sort of everything and she never wears that that hawaiian looking sari that she's always in in the, in the poster so yeah everything in the poster for this film is is is, is misleading <laughs> but, well yeah you've heard it that's over, okay 
you've heard they always do and i mean have the movie you know the, these movie companies make you know they'll, they'll name films and they'll make you know posters and yeah. you know taglines before the the script is even written so yeah. exactly <laughs> it's the ed wood thing like do you have a script hell no we have a poster though right i always uh, go back to like friday the 13th like you know sean cunningham put out this great poster and this you know radio bid and you know friday the 13th you know 24 hour nightmare of terror and not it didn't have a clue what he was doing not a so. yeah not a plan yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Sometimes that's some, again, it does, it backwards engineers itself. So, so to, to pick up kind of the, um, go in a little more deep dive of the plot. So, so we start, there's a, there's a ship docking and there's a bunch of wild animals on it. And yeah, Fred Mason, who has, has gone to Africa and he's trapped all these lions and tigers to bring back for the, the uh, for John Whipple, who owns a circus. The intention is that they're going to get Clive Beatty, who like it, who's name checked quite a few times within the the, the story of the film. Like the, the idea is they're going to get Clive Beatty to perform with these animals, and Fred Mason is just the guy who who captures and and kind of gets them tamed a little bit. And you know, set up for for Clive Beatty. Pretty soon, we find out that there's something falls through, and, and Clive Beatty never shows up. And Fred Mason is the guy who's going to have to step in and, and do the thing. Um, on the docks, there's a little mishap. A, a tiger gets loose and runs amok a little bit on the dock. Fred does show his ability to uh, to to tame it. He gets it into like where where like the ticket taker's office or something and traps it and and, and saves everybody. And he meet he also in the doing so meets Beth, his his sweetheart, played by again Evelyn Ankers, uh, and they have this little reunion and stuff. And he talks about a little bit like you know his adventures and the, they got this one lion named Nero who killed a few. I think they say natives or something. Unfortunately, but yeah, something he like ma- that. killed natives. He maimed somebody on the boat. And yeah, he can't yeah. Wait to stop. He can't wait to work with him. I can't wait to work like, with this guy. So excited, like in this. So yeah, he's so Fred's just he'd been away for it sounded like two years. Um, so mm-hmm. it'd been you know quite a while, and he said extremely happy to see his lost love and yeah. uh, reunited on the dock. And so it sounded like, and I had to rewind to get this. So they brought back twenty tigers, twenty lions, six zebras, and eleven leopards. Oh, and okay. Sheila, we'll get to Sheila. So and Sheila. And Sheila, of course, the most quote unquote the most gorgeous lady to ever come out of the jungle. Yeah, yeah. he he teases he teases Beth a little bit of like I'm the most gorgeous lady ever, and and introduces her to Sheila, uh, which which is Ray Crash Corrigan in a gorilla suit, a gorilla suit which looks suspiciously similar to the gorilla suit in Murders from the Rue Morgue. I I don't know if it'd be the same suit because the nature of of rubber and and the way masks are made and stuff they they tend to crack and fall apart quite a bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same mold somehow. The gorilla suits were not, you know, we have all these movies of you know like ape man with bella lugosi all the way you know up to up to, you know a lot of other stuff but there weren't too many gorilla suits floating around hollywood they were pretty hard to make and they're pretty valuable so i wouldn't be surprised if again they they just fixed up the one from rue morgue or um or something and bulked it up or something but but yeah. ray crash corrigan plays chila the the gorilla uh ray was a stuntman he'd already done um the undersea kingdom uh serial he's the lead in that he did quite a few things but towards the end of his his career, he he became very uh, because of his kind of physical prowess and strength and, and ability. He became very popular playing uh, monsters and gorillas. He played. He was in it, the uh, the terror from beyond space. He was the monster in that. Even though they were different production companies between you know Murder in the Room Morgue and this, I guarantee you they went to I don't know Ape Costumes R Us or you know whatever the the Walmart yeah. is of uh, Ape Costumes and. You know, probably <laughs> got it off the just got it off the rack, and yeah, I mean, you it's see a, it in Japan. Like, I'm a huge, you know, like the King Kong and yeah. uh, Godzilla films, and right. it seems like there's like not one King Kong mo- like bodysuit looks the same. 
And yeah. yeah, with the American films, they all do. But it's it's a good suit. It it looks it's it's a very powerful, impressive, like seven foot tall gorilla. Which obviously gorillas aren't seven feet tall. They're they're a little bit smaller than that. Sheila is a, a juggernaut, and um, she there's a trainer kind of working with with her that gets a little too close and she almost takes it takes a swipe out of him and uh you know mason has to save him and and he, the man's fired from the, the the gig because he's uh he's he's drunk on duty not his first time being drunk on duty and Fair whipple enough. immediately you know dismisses him which you know, plays a part later on in the story so now we have this disgruntled now former employee who's now been fired from the circus right. and so meanwhile after fred corrals the uh, tiger into the ticket booth. Uh, he and Beth are uh, driving, presumably home, and they're kind of, you know, reconnecting and catching up on, you know, what each other have been doing for the last two years. So Beth starts explaining to Fred about her sister, Dorothy, who's having glandular problems. Right. And they kind of leave it a little bit ambiguous. So sister's having a little bit of issue, and uh, she's been reading a lot of articles and, you know, doing a lot of um, research on behalf of her sister and has read a lot of stories about what this Dr. Simon Walters, played by John Carradine, has been doing and um, the afflictions he's been able to help cure. So immediately reaches out and has a, a visit with, with Walters. Yeah. Well, and she, and she, she in turn teases uh, Fred a little bit saying like, well, he's, you know, he, you know, he is, he's a great doctor and he's also a very attractive man. Uh, so she gets, she gets a little bit of uh, a little bit of jealousy inspired in, in, in her guy as revenge for the, uh, for the, for the Chila thing. They're basically talking and then, yeah, the next scene is Dorothy and Beth in the office. They meet the nurse there. Yeah. So Beth makes an appointment um, to meet with Dr. Walters. So comes in with her sister, Dorothy, and into the sanitarium of Walters and meets Nurse Strand, who, if you know from The Wolfman, plays Jenny. So we actually see... So the actress's oh, name is, she, is. I didn't. I didn't make the connection. That's that's amazing. That's great. Funny, yeah. Her name, her actress's name is Faye Helm, and I was watching Horror Island yesterday, and oh, she's okay. in that one too. So I feel like she's been, <laughs> kind of been she, popping up on uh, you know some of these B grade. She lurks um, around, and 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 I never really paid much attention. So I'm gonna have to look for her in the future because I really yeah. love like her in, in in Wolf. Yeah. So they're at the it, and it is a this is a callback to a previous episode. They're sort of the sanatorium, which <laughs> it's called Crestview Sanitarium. Sanatorium, uh, as opposed to sanitarium. A sanatorium is a is a convalescence place. John Carradine's character, Doctor Walters, he's doing glandular stuff, and I think the I think the glandular concept is a good one because I, I, most of us just don't have any idea what glands do. So you can make up a whole lot of gobbledygook about them, and you're like, okay, <laughs> especially in like night, 19- right? Right. 1943. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure how much, you know, what people knew about glands, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. Beth is even, um, you know, there's a scene where she's like a David Lynch film, like how he has a lot of audio tracks of just people thinking. And I don't think I've ever yes. seen that in a universal film. So it's, you know, Beth is, she's kind of thinking to herself. And um, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of, of that internal monologue thing going on. Stuff like that. There's an interesting I, yeah, uh, insert into this. And I don't know if that was a, if that was a fix, you know, later on in post where they're like, you know, this isn't really clear. We should to try to make this a little more clear or or what the deal is i can't place I, another film that they do that and i'm sure there is I yeah mean, I'm just, I again know. i'm thinking universal or rko something around this right time. within this this genre but yeah it seemed know. a little you know foreign for this period of time in filmmaking so it's yeah interesting. Dare, dare we say artistic um yeah interesting yeah, there you go i think it's an interesting thing where they're, where they're talking with with dr walters among the other things he, he mentions he cites uh acromegaly as as a as a glandular disorder which it is it's it's a pituitary disorder which is what Rondo Haddon had and what made Rondo Haddon look like 
Rondo Hatton. This is 43, and I'm pretty sure Rondo is is on the payroll at some point at, at Universal, and he's doing films. So I wonder if that little drop in there is is a little nod to him, or, or at least an acknowledgement or something, or, 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 or just happened because the studio or producers or writers were aware of Rondo. And we're like, hey, that's a we can tie that in together or something. I just think it's an interesting, you know, note. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd have to imagine Rondo was probably the talk of the studio when, yeah. when they finally landed him and you know interviewed him or you know whatever the onboarding was, right? You know, right. Discussing his his affliction, and you know, of course, you know, if you're a writer or anybody, would be in the you know part yeah. of the top of your mind around this time. So that's, and, that's and a- he does show up in one of the sequels to this. I think he shows up in Jungle Captive. That's interesting because this is a trilogy. This begins a trilogy of. Captive Wild Woman, uh, Jungle Woman, and then Jungle Captive. Uh, Aquanetta did these three films, which are, I mean, I, I guess we can kind of call them a trilogy. I, I, I haven't really gotten into the next two yet, but um, even though, you know, what happens at the end of this film happens, uh, Aquanetta does go on and do a few sequels. Just like, just like any great universal horror monster, you know, death doesn't stop her from coming back for the sequel. So yeah, so, but this begins this whole, uh, like a, a mini franchise. I believe Evelyn Anchors even, I, and I haven't seen them either, Jim. I think she does come back for the second one, maybe not the third one, but mm-hmm. we'll probably, we'll see. I'm, anx- I'm anxious to get into this. Yeah. Going back to Beth and uh, Dorothy, they're in the office and they finally meet with Dr. Walters and, um, you know, very quickly kind of has a, clear to see that Beth is doing the talking. Dorothy is very, very quiet. So Beth is, you know, kind of praising the doctor for all his work. And for some reason, the doctor thinks that they're circus performers. You know, I, I'm not sure if it was right. know, something that happened off screen, but immediately there's a connection between the doctor, these women, specifically Beth and the circus. And I'm not sure, again, I'm assuming something happened off screen. So Beth does work for the circus. She's a secretary for Mr. Whipple, who owns a circus. But right. you know, it, it was interesting that the doctor immediately made that connection. I'm not sure where that came from, if I just yeah, missed I don't something. Know what or... it, but yeah, but it gets him invited to come see the circus, right? When they're when they're setting up, I think I think it's how that that ends up starts the arc with the doctor that um, you know he's had been having some failed experiments. He's been using you know smaller animals, guinea pigs and bunnies, for this glandular more more uh, provocative experiments, uh, I guess because because he it seems like he's got his just like uh, most mad scientists we we run into in these films like he's got his his day to day business and then he's got his side gig which where he's he's pushing the the boundaries of you know, decency and, 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 and mankind and medicine in a, in a goal. And, and his goal in this is never, I mean, he did, there's a mention of creating a race of Superman, of course, because there always is a race of Superman, you know, plan with all these guys, him or, or uh, Lionel Atwell and Mad, man-made monster or, or oh, Henry Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always this, this hubris uh, thing. Sure. Uh, Carradine's goal is, is a little vague. He does it. He doesn't seem to want power himself. He does. It, I think. I think to some degree, his mind is is in a place where he's he he thinks that this will be for the betterment of of humankind somehow. His 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 research and if and if a few people have to suffer or die even in the service of that, he he's okay with that. Um, the ends are going to justify the means. But but he's not a. I mean, Carradine is always great because he doesn't he doesn't play. He's so suave and he's tall and good looking and and. Uh, you know, well spoken, and he doesn't play the the raving mad scientist type guy that that Lionel Atwell or people like that were so good at at doing. You know, he's he's very calm and cool. He's got his public face together. Well, meanwhile, you know, he's got his mad schemes going on in the background. 
Yeah, I mean, really, the the I think what Doctor Walters has has been doing, at least on the side, so he's using smaller animals. So, for an example, he'll extract the glands from a chipmunk and inject them into, say, a guinea pig. And the guinea pig will take on the physical transformation of a chipmunk. So again, if he takes the glands from a bunny, he injects the bunny glands into a cat. The cat now all of a sudden becomes a bunny. So what he's finding is with these, you know, smaller, I guess, weaker animals Mm -hmm. is the animals that he's been taking the glands from die. So he needs to find, you know, in the back of his mind, a stronger, and I think he says an animal that we know with a will, a strong will, an animal that wants to live right. is willing to fight. So right. again, we're starting to see the dots getting connected here with Whipple Circus, with Chila the gorilla, and now the doctor meeting Beth. And all of a sudden now we've got kind of his end that now he's you know aware of the circus. And like you said earlier, Jim, now he's invited to kind of come backstage and you know see the inner workings of this Whipple Circus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and again, it's that it's that weird thing where where medicine and serial killing kind of coincide where, where medicine, you know, it, it, it usually starts with animal testing and then progresses to, to, you know, tests on, on human beings. Serial killers tend to begin killing animals and then move up, move up the, the evolutionary ladder to, to humans and stuff. So it's, it's a strange parallel thing that, that these scientists always tend to, to follow where like, as their, as their scheme evolves, eventually they're going to get to people. So yeah. Anyways, but yeah, so he goes to the circus and he meets Fred, obviously uh, he meets uh, Mr. Uh, Whipple, and and then of course he meets Chila. So meets Chila and gets to see kind of an up close and personal lion tiger fight, which I don't know as an <laughs> probably yeah. a film you're not making in 2021. And I think I mean if you made I think it's safe to say if you made this movie now you'd be arrested. Uh, right. uh, you can't do the things that they made uh, the lions and tigers uh, do in this film. You you justifiably cannot do that to animals now, and and this is a good thing it's a moment in its time and it's not, I don't think it was unusual or cruel for the era. Uh, looking back on it, obviously through a 2021 20, viewpoint, uh, it, it is a little difficult. Scott and I are both big animal lovers and, and I'm a big cat lover myself. And the one thing I will say is like, I've seen my cats fight like crazy and roll around with each other and they're totally fine. It looks hideous, but I don't know if that is the same thing with giant cats, but Anyway, yeah, so we have a lot of this kind of, uh, you know, the demonstration thing of like, he's going to train the the tiger and he's going to like uh, tame it a little bit and get it ready for Clive Beatty, who's supposedly is still showing up at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah very vicious. And, you know, it does, they, they you know, we kind of, they, I don't know if it's, hopefully it's the same scene that these poor cats aren't, you know, continually being put in the same cage and, you know, having to fight right. each other. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll move on from there. So yeah, Walters is now getting a, you know, up close personal view of the circus and of course is introduced at one point to Chila. So Fred does the whole thing and um, introduces. So Chila is in the cage, of course, she's a huge um, gorilla. So, you know, comes up, hey, Chila, this is Dr. Walters. And, you know, Chila you know, re- stretches out her hand and shakes Fred's hand, yeah. just showing that she understands. And, you know, friends, you know, does the same thing. Oh, this is Mr. Whipple, shakes Fred's yeah. hand. And of course, the whole time, Dr. Walters is, you see the, the gears in his head turning. <laughs> the gears in his head, I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hmm, what can I do with this thing? And so he uh, ends up meeting with trainer who was fired for being drunk uh, later on. And he's going to, you know, he's, he's his initial hatching of his plan is he's going to kidnap Sheila and bring Sheila back to his lab. Again, looking for this robust, more uh, uh, subject. Right before that scene, he's kind of, in, not, he never like overtly came out and said, I want to buy Sheila. 
to Whipple. He just said, you know, geez, if somebody, you know, just, yeah. if somebody was interested in buying a gorilla, how much would they cost? Right. And Whipple's like, you know, it would be priceless. Sorry. <laughs> like there was no, yeah, yeah, there's there's no, no yeah, dollar see, amount. There's, there's no dollar amount. So that, I right. guess that's why he resorts to the, that's right. The, 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 the petty thievery uh, that he, that he does. Although it does make him suspicious. You think later on when Sheila disappears, he'd be like, Hey, that doctor guy was asking to buy her. <laughs> I thought the exact but, same thing. With but no one suspects him because he's a doctor. He's, you know, he's famous and he's well-respected. Of course, he's not going to steal a monkey, right? right? When they're needing a suspect or like, who the hell would steal a giant gorilla? Not the guy right. that was just asking us all about <laughs> asking us all about how to buy him. And we said, no, yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah. So we, yeah, we go to the scene and he, he gets the drunk guy drunker. Tell, tells him to name his price. If it's reasonable, he'll agree to it to help him kidnap Sheila. They go back to the to the circus that night. They're about to hatch his, their scheme. And instead of paying him, he turns around and, and shoves the poor guy into the cage with Sheila. And Sheila, uh, off screen, obviously uh, kills the dude. You know, suspected that, um, you know, this Walters is going to be a, you know, a little bit of a dark character. Certainly now, I mean, he's just second degree murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's he's totally fine with it. And 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 Sheila doesn't uh, Sheila throughout the film, I like that the ape character is not treated like a mad ape or anything. This circus trainer guy ab- was abusing her, so this is her, you know, t- kind of taking revenge, shall we say. In in either state Sheila's never about attacking decent nice people or, and people who have been kind to her she's just she's looking out for herself though and, and i do like that part about her like you said prior to him being fired he was you know he had that prod and like you said it was almost yeah. like fritz with creature yeah just, yeah you know this endless tor- uh, the tormenting that like, like, you know chila you know is could have been avoided right exactly just hadn't done that <laughs> So he gets, uh, he, he does, he, he he effectively kidnaps Sheila. I'm not sure how he gets an 800 pound gorilla back to his, back to Crestview Sanatorium, but he, by himself, but he manages it, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and has, has her back. So now, you know, we're back in, we have, we have a bunch of scenes between uh, Dr. Whipple and Fred Mason. And there's so many of them that I'm, I'm not, I can't keep track of when they happen within the context of the, of the storyline. And honestly, but, I don't think it really matters. Like to, maybe not. <laughs> no. And really like between, yeah. And I thought the same thing between Fred and, Fred and Whipple and then the, you know, cut scenes of video. Yeah. It really is. It has nothing to do with the overall. I feel like you could re-edit it, and it wouldn't make much less sense. No, it, it would, it would cut, still be fine. Cut all the, this. The basic exactly. story is is strong enough that you can do it. The uh, so what's kind of happening is is Clive Beatty is not going to be able to come and be their trainer. Fred it now says, "Well, then I'll do it. I'll go in there and I'll." And Whipple, um, played by Lloyd Corrigan, who's really funny. He's got a good, you know, back then you had comedians who had bits. You had comedians who who stuttered or you had a comedian who uh, would use wrong words or hiccup or something. You know, you had these kind of like vaudeville guys who'd gone into the uh, film business and they, they were known for a certain thing. And Lloyd Corrigan has a funny thing where he he starts saying things and then stops and he's like, and, and switches to other subjects really rapidly, like rat right. tat 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 tat. And he's funny, <laughs> and he really does bring a little bit of uh, lightness to to this kind of what can be kind of plodding scenes. But Fred wants to, to do the Clive Beatty part. He's going to go in there and he's going to train all the things and stuff. And and Whipple says no, and Whipple doesn't want to do it. And and Fred Mason is a guy that you don't say no to. Every time you know Beth or. Or Mr. Mr. Whipple or or anybody says no to him, he's like, well then uh, no, I'm doing it. I'm doing. He he. I think what's supposed to be like come off as like a forceful nature, like a, a real man's man, just comes off kind of like a bully and a brat. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. The word <laughs> brat came to my mind too. It's like Whipple. Yeah. I mean, he just wants his way. He just wants to. He's trying to protect him. I mean, Fred has no experience. 
working with multiple animals. He's, I think, you know, like one-on-one, he's fine. He can corral animals, but has no experience working with multiple animals. So Whipple, again, the owner of the circus, has all the liability who's trying to protect his man. Fred is basically saying, Fred, this is not a good idea. You should not be in a cage training these animals with no experience. And then Fred basically says, well, if you're not going to let me, I'm just leaving. I'm going to go find someone else. Yeah, yeah. And later later on, he threatens to leave. Yeah, he he just wants to have his way. Uh, And he's, he's, no matter what is a problem, he's like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And and, and I guess the other thing is he's supposed to have this infectious optimism, I guess is the idea. And maybe not to diss Milburn Stone, but but possibly in a more in the hands of a more charismatic actor that might have worked. Well, it's but, funny, but, yeah. Whipple. I mean, how many times does Whipple say no? Absolutely not. Yeah. Out of the question. Fred's like, come on. Whipple's come on. like, yeah. all right. He wears him down, <laughs> and that could be funnier. Uh, yeah, maybe if it was more deftly handled. But 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 what we're left is is that you know we have there's a gorilla on the loose. The the future of the circus is in jeopardy. Mason's girlfriend's sister is gravely ill in in a in a, in a sanatorium, having glandular you know whatever. And all he cares about is progressing his career and taking this next step for himself and doing this this act. And so much of what goes wrong in the in the next thirty minutes, thirty five minutes of the film, is just because Fred Mason won't listen to anyone else's advice or reason and just barrages his way forward and and puts himself, the circus, and the, anybody who comes near him in jeopardy it's because really, I mean, he's not actually as good as he thinks he is. He's really not that good at a trainer. He's constantly getting himself into trouble. Yeah, no. And Whipple again, he looks like the enabling parent with his brat. Yeah, he just can't. He can't stand up to the guy. He can't say no to him. Obviously, things happen because of his yeah. inexperience. And I mean, <laughs> how many times Whipple's like, you know, no, 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 and Fred's yeah. like, oh, come on, just let me do it. All right. Uh, that's all I could imagine. It's like this bratty kid. And he, and he, he knows he's going to be sorry. But Whipple's always like, oh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to be sorry about this. And he's he's right. right. He's going to be sorry. Right. Um, yeah, you are. So then we have a big scene at the at, at the sanatorium with the gorilla and with uh, Dorothy. Dr. Walters is going to is going to, you know, put his theories to the test. And he's finally going to do this this great big glandular swap experiment. And it's a cool scene. We have a lot of uh, a lot of B-roll stuff that, that I'm sure was shot, you know, just stock footage of scalpels and sutures and you know, forceps all being handed to doctors and gloved hands and everything. And, and yeah. And so his, his assistant uh, is, is helping him in this experiment. It goes on for quite a bit. This is a pretty good scene, a very important scene of the movie. So now we have Chila, who is now sedated unconscious on a table with Dorothy laying right next to her. And it, they mentioned it earlier in the film that Dorothy has some cyst that, you know, with the cyst, it excretes some certain type, some special type of hormone that the doctor wants to extract and right. put in the chila. And as part of his experiment, he does that. So he extracts, you know, some glands from Dorothy, injects it into the arm of chila. And then Chila's kind of a wolfman. The la- the laps, laps dissolve kind of thing where, you know, they, they would have the camera set and, and film the, uh, you know, a gorilla hand and they would stop the camera and replace it with a human hand with kind of hairy makeup and long nails. And they'd film that. And then they'd go back to a, a, a more human hand and, and you, you cross dissolve all those, all those shots together and you slowly get things. It's, it's done better, obviously in the Wolfman, which, you know, had more, a little more money here. It's done a little quickly, but it, it it's effective in, 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 in its, in its essence. Doctor realizes that his 
glandular uh, transference is a success right. and immediately starts thinking of bigger and better things. So the nurse immediately steps up and reminds the doctor that the animals and everything else that he has extracted glands from a glandular, you know, cells from in the past has died. And you can right. see Dorothy getting weaker and weaker on the operating table. And this is just the first step in this experiment. So there's going to have to be multiple extractions of, of this gland. So ultimately Dorothy's going to die. And the nurse knows that. And she's trying to speak to Walters and kind of just tap into any humanity that's left within yeah, him. Yeah. And, and, and weirdly kind of picks this moment to stand up and, and, and threaten to quit because he's gone too far. I mean, she, she goes through the whole experiment and then decides he's going too far. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's a little bit like the cow's out of the barn at this point, but you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Nurse Strand does uh, stand up to him and says, you know, you've, you had a great mind, you brilliant scientist, and I've seen you turn into this kind of a monster. I mean, she she sort of implies, she invokes these things, like she talks about a brain and a monster and everything. And it again, it's almost like you see the gears in his head turning and he starts saying like, well, I, I, I don't want to, if I don't kill Dorothy, I will need a good cerebrum to to put into into the gorilla to to make you know make this this transformation keep or stay or or, or whatever gobbledygook he kind of throws out at us. And he, so he's you know he's like I need a good brain. I need a good brain. And he's staring at Nurse Strand. <laughs> and again, the wheels turning. You're like I know where this is going. Why is she? choosing this moment now yeah. to express her concerns and you know maybe just she never thought it would work it just seemed like such an outrageous proposition that you know this this couldn't work right maybe that's it maybe when she sees it actually working she's like oh crap i maybe she thought it was never going to work and she was humoring him i guess that makes sense that, i think that's so a maybe maybe yeah i'll go trying with to keep, trying to keep her job yeah we'll roll with that yeah. so you know um, never, never really thought it would work and yeah i worked on these little you know chipmunks and bunnies and i couldn't right. possibly work with a gorilla in a, in a human yeah. woman but it did and and, you know, now she's kind of seeing the reality of it, of the whole thing that the doctor is now willing to sacrifice Dorothy for yes. the good of this mad experiment. And, and that, um, that's a step too far for her. So, yeah. Right. So now it's, a mor- now it's a morality tale. Yes. And so now she's going to have no part in it. And and she ultimately pays for that decision with her life as, as he uh, he decides that, that it's going to be her brain now to, to do it. And I want to just take a second to talk about like. So John Carradine at this point in this movie, he's 36 years old. He's still a pretty young man. And he's still, he's very, you know, he's he's tall and debonair and good looking. And, you know, this is a few years before he would he would come in and, and do uh, and play Dracula in House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein for, for Universal. He'd already done, he'd done Grapes of Wrath and he'd done Stagecoach. He, he'd done, he'd already been in two of probably uh, most, most listed, the best, most important hundred films in American history. He'd already been in two of these. And I'm not sure where his career went that led him to within within four years of doing a couple of those films he's he's playing a mad scientist in a no budget universal film but i mean okay he's better than the material i guess is the best way to put it right i mean he just yeah no and this is listed his first film that he is the leading he he owns a leading role Oh, Ever so maybe, that, career, maybe which... that that's the encouragement he's like we'll give you the lead and he's like, okay okay what's the movie called they're like captive wild woman he's like <laughs> All right. He turned down um, Frankenstein. He was, you know, had a little bit part in Bride of Frankenstein, but not not much. Oh yeah, that's right. That's you know, right. just as like one yeah. of the little not a villager. And, and I will say, like, like as far as hand acting in Universal films, uh, you you have to give it to Lugosi. No one no one does hands like Lugosi, but Carradine has these 
amazingly long Nosferatu looking hands with these big bony digits and, and which would eventually he would get terrible arthritis. And if you watch uh, uh, The Shootist uh, with John Wayne and Ron Howard uh, and John Carradine towards the end of his career and his poor hands are just mangled, uh, the, the poor dude. And, and it's a shame because he really had these these graceful hands. And when he's playing someone like a surgeon and he gets to do these, this kind of more, you know, florid hand movement, stuff like that. There's a grace about it. it, it you, you, they look like the hands of someone who could cut someone's brain out and place it in another's body successfully. Like he, he, he sells that. Yeah, no, he's a he's a good actor, and he's so interesting looking. Like you say, he's a he's a, a handsome man, but just his the bone structure and. I mean, he's very, very, I don't know, and frail isn't the right word, but very thin, but just I mean, lean, almost, yeah, 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 very no, lean exactly. and gaunt, and yeah, just a very, inter- very interesting guy. Looks like a guy who spent years and years huddled over his equipment and probably not eating enough, and you know, like he's got that right. he sells frog that. kind of thing, yeah. He sells a vampire, you know, somebody who's, yeah. you know, now he's great, he's, he, this is probably one of... I haven't seen a ton of films with with Carradine, but I think the ones that I have, I think this is probably my most you know favorite of his roles. And I think he, that's he, interesting. He, yeah, he I, I like him really well. well. I actually, I think my favorite role of his is in Munster Go Home, but that's okay. <laughs> quite, a few, <laughs> quite a few years later, I have to I check that out. That. I don't know he's, that he's one. The, he's like the servant guy. Yeah. Again, with his horribly, you know, messed up hands and stuff, the poor dude. Anyway, there's a lot of, uh, the other thing I know is there's a lot of Frankenstein and Wolfman music in this place, especially Wolfman. This film in, employs a lot of, uh, I think it's Frank Skinner's score for for Wolfman. I want to say it's Frank Skinner. It might be Hans Salter, so forgive me if I get those mixed up. Because uh, they did interchange quite a bit. But there's a lot of, uh, especially later when we get some transformation stuff, they they bogart a lot of that that score and stuff. But it works with this film. It's, it's beautiful. Um, they do, yeah. yeah. Between, you know, Wolfman, Son of Frankenstein, I feel like they pull, they do, they pull yeah. a lot of the same audio tracks. Mm-hmm. So it's... Mm-hmm. And it just, it all becomes the library. And as you get into the forties here, it's, you start getting credits as, as like Frank Skinner will be credited as the musical director. Uh, They're not really a composer because it's, it's all just library music. They're starting to plop here and there and stuff. But that's why you get, you get these things that sound kind of like Vivaldi that go right into something that sounds like Wagner. Like it, it's a little, it's a little schizophrenic sometimes, uh, but, but they do their best. And, and then the the last thing I want to get before we move on is just, this is, I don't know if it's the, it's not the first one because uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue is this whole thing about, you know, apes, ape blood and, and human blood and everything. Lugosi's a character, Dr. Moronkel is, is working with there in the thirties and forties, there is this fascination about apes and humans. And, and I think, I think evolution as a scientific theory had, had sort of come into its own into the public mindset uh, during this time. And there was a lot of struggle on a culture's part, maybe to to rectify maybe the uh, a creation myth versus an evolutionary theory, which which obviously our culture still to some degree struggles with. But you get all these films, you get Mers in the Remorgue, you get Lugosi's Ape Man for monogram pictures. King Kong. I mean, you think of just yeah. the, the relationships being built in that between yeah. you know, he and Feyre. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think I think it really I think it's really about our idea of that this is where we came from. And if we came from this bestial origin, is it possible that we could return to it in some way, shape or form through science or bad luck or, or whatever? And then that continues on all the way into, into Planet of the Apes and, and other films that, that come after this. I, I just think it's a, I think it's an uncanny thing that, that we as humans struggle to to wrap our heads around that that you look at a chimpanzee and you're like i i am 99 percent 
similar genetically to that chimpanzee and how is that even possible right um, and i just ego doesn't allow that or right. just rational thinking but and I, and I also think gorillas just look great on a movie poster i mean i mean just <laughs> there's never i mean get out of here like gorillas just look awesome on a movie poster carrying it's, some some innocent woman you know away and so that always sells and and kids love them and stuff so i i it, it just hits all these points and i i think I think that's why there's almost like a sub sub genre of just gorilla movies. Oh yeah. Gorillas for them. Gorillas put asses in seats. There's yeah. No man, gorillas and it. submarines. Those are the two <laughs> things. I, if it's got a gorilla or a submarine, I will watch that movie. Both. I don't care how Jim, bad it is. Jim, if you can put need, combine them. I'm Jim, there. Please write a screenplay right tomorrow. <laughs> gorillas and submarines. The gorilla who's like the admiral of a submarine. Oh, I'm, there. I'm so Can you there. imagine <laughs> all this crossover. So then we actually, uh, we do finally get to see uh, Aquanetta. As, as he ra- unra- unwraps the bandage of a very, very bright of Frankenstein style. The experiment is a success. Here's the result. And um, and we meet Aquanetta, who uh, her, her real name was Mildred Davenport. Uh, she was born in the Midwest. She she had a Rapaho uh, heritage on her mother's side. So, uh, you know, it's like just enough that she doesn't look like Evelyn Anker's say. She's got, I'm not going to call it exotic because it's not exotic, but but the studio obviously took advantage of that and called her the Venezuelan volcano for some reason and, uh, you know, misappropriate her heritage, of course, and stuff. But she she plays a lot of, you know, she's she was in Tarzan movies. She she was in obviously this trilogy. You know, she always played sort of the exotic uh, uh, female. And it's interesting that, that, you know, it's it's a it's a comp- just like everything in this film. It's there. There's something noble about it. And there's something kind of gross about it from our perspective. She's kind of exploited a little bit because of her non-white heritage. And yet this is, you know, she carved out a, a pretty good career for herself for a while there. You feel a little bit dirty and I, I'm not, I'm not overly sensitive, but yeah, you, you watch this movie between the animals being exploited and then this actress, I don't know if she felt like she was being exploited. Like I think she very nice career for herself, but yeah, absolutely typecast as this exotic mm-hmm. primal jungle. She's so unlike Evelyn Akers and so on, like, you know, these other actresses we've seen up until this point, Mae Clark, like that's, that's not who this actress is. No, um, no, exactly. Um, and yeah, she, she, after her, uh, after her film career, she went and married a, a, a guy in, in Arizona, I think, and had, you know, had children and have a, had a great career and uh, did, did a lot of charity work and stuff. She had, she had, a, uh, and she only died a few years ago. It's like early two thousands or so. She had a big long life. She, you know, we talk about so many, Actors like Colin Clive or even Whale and stuff like that, that, that whose lives kind of end in tragedy or, or have these short snuffed out careers and stuff. And, and she, she sort of came to Hollywood and did pretty well and then moved on and had a good one. So it's, it's, it, that's a, it's nice to have to hear that story instead. That's wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the experiment. Yeah. So hey. af, so Walters has killed the nurse Something with a brain transplant, again, I had to rewind it a few different times. It's not a, a really clear to me exactly what happened, but did use, you know, I don't know if it's cere- cerebral fluid or partial brain transplant. Mm-hmm. But basically what we have now is Chila the ape has now transformed into a human woman who the doctor is speaking to and, you know, now is calling her Paula Dupree. I guess we'll either call it Sheila or Paula Dupree, however we, yeah, right. yeah, we feel. Yeah. So yeah. And, so, and at least he gives her, at least the film gives her like a normal name. They don't, they don't give her a lurid, you know, exotic name or something. So, okay. This is really about a man who wants control over a woman. I, I don't think the fact that she's a woman is, is accidental. And, and, and here we do have a little bit of a sinisterness on, uh, on Dr. Walter's part, wanting to, to, 
control control this this living being, you know, this beautiful now living being. Fast forward to the next scene. Now we're in Whipple's office and we're back to Fred now demanding that he is uh, leading the animal act. Right, right. Here's, um, where, here's where he, he demands that thing and, and stuff. And, and again, steam rolls right over uh, the poor circus owner. So, so Mason does, you know, uh, harangue his way into being allowed to do this act. And he walks out and he, he tells Beth all about it. And Beth is like, what are you doing? You can't do that. <laughs> like Beth, I really like Evelyn Anker's character, Beth in this film, because she, she's sort of the, the one that the only one who's like knows what's going on. And she's honestly very proactive at the, in, in the third act of the film as far as, you know, with, with she the doctor. Between, yeah. Between, between her, her sister, sister and yeah. I mean, she did all, you know, the negotiating with, you know, with the doctor and with yeah. her sister and she, yeah. She's I really mean, she, got her stuff together. And, and she says to, you know, she loves her, her bow, but she's like, you can't do this. You can't, you don't know how to do it. Right. It's like, he's going to go, like he's going to go fly a plane. He's never flown a plane. You're like, you can't, you need to learn how to, you, yeah, yeah, don't that's not how this it. works. Yeah, it's fine. It's but fine. he's all confidence and arrogance and he goes in and he he does it. He he gets the the thing set up and he goes in there and they're going to release the tigers and lions one at a time and he's going to try and uh, practice to see if he can do this act. This is his audition, uh, you know, Mason to to do this. And of course it goes wrong. One of the animals knocks over a a, a it's like a I don't know like it's a, a little step one like things. the stands right like, yeah, yeah, yeah the one stands of the they, stools they sit on. yeah so they can all sit on stands at the same time and people are entertained apparently by that i'm not sure why but it's okay and it, it falls it hits him in the head he's kind of knocked down a little bit and a lion and a tiger start going at it with each other in this hideous kind of scene uh <laughs> that lasts and not uh, a nice they're not going about at two minutes too long they're not going at each other in a nice way they're yes uh, they're, they're no 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 it's not that kind of thing. yeah no it's, it's a claws and claws and teeth um right at at this point, Dr. Walters has brought Paula to the to see the circus. I'm not sure why, but I, I guess he wants to test her to see what she'll be like if she gets back around her yeah. her old environment. I think, he, yeah, and I think he makes a quick passing. Actually, you know what it was? So Walters is writing in his notebook and wants to see how she or Paula interacts with Fred. Because, right. you know, obviously Fred and Sheila had a great relationship on right. coming back. You know, he was able to tame her. They had a great relationship. So now that Sheila is human form Paula, he's curious. And I guess the next stage in his experiment is how is now Paula and Fred going to enter or how is Paula going right. to interact with Fred? Yeah, he's got this kind of weird, like voyeuristic kind of thing going on there. And, and luckily, like with most mad scientists, he's keeping a journal of this thing so we can read his thoughts and know, you know, what his plan is and stuff. So, yeah, so, so he brings Paula to the uh to the circus and just about the time where everything's going to hell in the in the inside the cage the the one lion turns and it, it's it's gonna is it a lion or a tiger i can't remember it's gonna go for for mason but then it stops because it sees her apparently paula aka chila has some kind of we'll call it monkey power i guess over <laughs> lions and tigers um because i'm because we all know that's how it works in the jungle you know a lion t- and tiger sees a a, a gorilla uh-huh. and runs away because gorillas have mesmeric thought powers over cats We'll just whatever, go with that. For whatever reason, Mon- yeah. Chile, monkey powers. Yeah, monkey powers. That's that's awesome. That's actually, that, that should be the name of your, uh, your gorilla oh, submarine the, the, movie. The, the gorilla submarine uh, yeah, uh, movie. Monkey yeah. powers. Um, so in doing so, she she makes the lion back down and uh, Mason manages to get out of the cage. And it's because of her. And he's like, I've never seen a, anyone have that kind of effect on, on a thing. You know, we should, we should hire her. Let's make her part of the thing. It happens very quickly. Suddenly, she's somehow part of the circus. 
she has magical powers. She's like the next best thing. And she, uh, Grant, I mean, she's a gorilla. She's not speaking. She's just standing there almost in a state, you know, this blanked eyes, like in a comatose state. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she's the best thing ever. And this is when, you know, going back to what I said earlier, he threatens to leave the circus. Cause again, Whipple's like, you know, I've, I've had enough Fred. Like, uh, you know, I let you do this one thing. You got hurt. You almost got killed. Yeah. The tiger almost ate you. It was just dumb luck that you didn't die. Right. Luckily it worked out. Luckily human Sheila came and rescued you, but I've had enough. And Fred's like, well, screw you then me and Paul or Sheila, we're going to go find someone else that will put up with us. Oh, all right. All right. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Do whatever you want to. And you know, Fred's runs over it. Oh, thank you. Capitulates constantly. Yeah. As as Fred just steamrolls over. So Um, frustrating. Aquanetta actually doesn't, have any dialogue in this film does she i think right. no like, none it's a totally silent part that's right so so for some reason they they're like let's get the mute woman who just showed up who who looks like i mean i don't know how old aquanetta is in in 1943 but she looks like she's about 18 and the the idea is we'll, we'll dress her up in a, in a glittery little outfit and she'll stand outside the cage when mason trains these animals for the show and through her monkey power, she'll she'll keep all the animals in line because because Mason can't do this by himself because he's not good enough at this to do this. So he needs well, help. You know, they they fire the guy that was drunk earlier. She looks like she's absolutely stoned out of her mind. Oh yeah. So let's hire her. She's the one that we need. You know, we don't we don't just, like drunks here, but even, any, marijuana use is fine. So we need her to right, stand right, right. comatose on the side of the cage because one time. The target didn't eat me. So now this yeah. basically now revamping this whole circus this to feature her. And there's even like a little clip from like that news article, yeah. you know, a picture of her. Just like we're yeah. not sure, you know, in the articles, like we're not sure what she's going to do, but yeah, where she, she came from and what she's going to do. Yeah, we know nothing happening. about her. She does. She, she, you know, won't interview because she doesn't talk, but yeah, yeah she's going to be featured in the circus. So it's but really, she, but she's pretty. So here you go. Here you go. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's part of the thing. She's um, exotic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will say the, the the most horrific thing about this movie is its treatment of its animal co-stars. <laughs> I just have a note about that. And I just I just want to reiterate that that while it's a fun movie and, and it is a movie of its time and stuff for anyone listening to it that maybe hasn't watched it before, there are parts of this movie that are difficult to watch if if you are uh, sensitive to that kind of thing. And 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 I am to some degree. I, I I muscled through it once or twice for the purposes of the show and you know covering it because I I think it's an interesting chapter in Universal's collection. But yeah, it's it, it is what it is. Yeah, I'm with you, Jim. I don't think I'm going to go back to this too too often. But you know, I'm glad we yeah. hit it. Like I said, we were first out of this podcast. We promised we're not just doing the hits. We're doing you know the the B and the C level yeah. movies, and this was on there. And it's fun. It's you know to go back and you know do the research. And if yeah. you go, you know, usually a lot of that Universal movies, you go on IMDb or Wiki just to get some notes. There is not a whole ton on this, and there's probably not, not a, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Good getting why. into the the, yeah. the far reaches of of the the genre. Uh, but you know what? People made this movie and they worked hard to make this movie and, and it, it has lasted. I mean, while so many other movies, similar movies, similar budget movies of other studios, other productions haven't stood the test of time. You know, you, you Google this movie and a lot of stuff comes up about it. People do, you know, still talk about this movie, including us. I say we're so, not, do, so, we're not doing the Wolfman. We're not doing, um, you know, we're doing, the, we're doing this movie. So what does that tell yeah, you? <laughs> ironically. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're all about. It's the monkey so, power. It's a monkey power thing. It, it's the monkey power. Inevitably and very predictably, Paula falls for Mason. You know, we see that she starts having this this crush that blooms into this uh, full on kind of obsession with him. And and I think for his part, he sort of gets a sweet spot for her too, which is which doesn't make him any more likable. Really, <laughs> she seems like she's borderline underage. They put her in this kind of exploitative costume. I, it, again, it's what it is. And he's got Beth. Meanwhile, you know, in in the wings, 
who is going on her own mission because her sister is, is starting to get scared of what's happening there. And she, and Beth has to figure out what, you know, how to handle the situation. And her boyfriend, Mason, couldn't be less interested in it because he's interested in his show. <laughs> yeah, no, we go a long time without hearing about Sister Dorothy. I almost forgot yeah. about her. Yeah, but no, yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah you, I think the film forgot about her for a bit. Yeah, yeah I mean, if you remember back, what the nurse was so concerned because if the experiments <laughs> continued, Dorothy would die. So, right. you know, the nurse was, was basically killed and Dorothy was spared. So it, fast forward 30 minutes into the movie and Beth receives a phone call from Dorothy saying, you know, something, something wicked going on here. I want to leave. So Paula's obsession for Mason turns dark when she suddenly sees Mason and, and Beth, you know, hugging and kissing and, and being affectionate. Uh, she storms off. She's, she's not having any of this. And she goes back to her quarters or room or wherever they've put her up for the, for the circus. And we have a transformation scene, uh, which is, it's a, it's a good one. It, it's no Wolfman, but it, you know, she, she starts her, her skin starts darkening, which is, also a little iffy and then but she starts growing hair and nails and stuff and she starts reverting back to her gorilla form not all the way back but just enough so that she sort of becomes a gorilla girl which which is usually what i feel like that would be that should be the poster kind of i mean it, it you should call this movie gorilla girl and it's about this like ape woman that's truly um, what it's about right yeah it's which this... is great it only happens once in the damn movie but it's 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 cool and obviously her plan uh now sort of Paula slash Chila's plan is, well, she's going to go wipe out the competition. Beth is in in between her her and her, the, the mate that she is interested in. So she goes to Beth's house, who obviously Beth, Beth who works at a circus, lives in this nice house mansion type thing. And, and again, it's this, it's this kind of, but I guess it's, it's sort of a rooming house of some kind because she's got a landlord lady because when Paula gets in the room, she comes into the, 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 the window uh, Beth is sleeping. Beth kind of wakes up, looks up, sees this face of this, you know, this this uh, feral looking hairy creature screams and her landlady, I assume it's her landlady, comes in hearing it, sees the gorilla girl, runs away and the gorilla girl chases her down the thing and, and kills her instead of killing Beth. I mean, so- Walters at, at some <laughs> point does make the, you know, once... You know, Paula goes back and just trashes her room after she sees Fred and and yeah. Beth embracing and everything. And Walters makes the point that now it's you now her animal instincts coming back that somebody has come between and you said the word between her and her mate. Yeah, so yeah. Now she's mate. You're right. Right. And now money is that just, she really is a gorilla. She's not a you know right. she's a gorilla that happens to look like a woman now. She hasn't been turned into a woman. She's been turned into something that looks like a human woman. Uh, inside, they're still gorilla, and I get, obviously that's probably why she doesn't speak. So. Yeah, I mean, Walters is able to speak to her, and you know, after you know, Paula, Chila, ape woman, <laughs> whatever we want to call it, mm-hmm. it was a landlady. Um, there's another cutscene back in Walters, his office or his, you know, kind of his laboratory, and the ape woman is sitting down, and again, not full on ape, not full on human, but he's trying yeah. to explain to her, "Geez, you can't do that. You, know, you can't just go right. around killing people. You're going to go on. Tri-. It was funny, you know, they're going to put you on trial, and they, you're going to go on the. You're going to. They're going to give they're you the electric ask you questions chair. and does, and this, does Paula even know what a trial is? Does right, Paula know exactly. what questions are? Like that's where I'm at. And to, he's sort of trying to reason with her, but he's sort of. I think he's going through like, like kind of, of all these. It's all these legalities, and the camera's like focused the on this hairy face with the fangs. Know, it's like what, what is going on? This, this poor is creature just, that this doesn't is, doesn't con- comprehend what, what he's it, talking about. Um, it gets it gets bonkers. And um, uh, so 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 then you know, Doctor Walters is like, well, now I'm going to have to do some more gland work. I'm going to have to. Uh, bring Dorothy back down, do some more glam work. I'm gonna have to find a brain, and I'm gonna have. To, uh, she she has set his entire agenda back to to zero, and he's frustrated about that. And he, we see it sort of ends with him. He's gonna go grab some chloroform 
as she watches. I think this is when Dorothy calls Beth and says like, look, I'm I'm scared. I'm in trouble. And, and Beth is like, well, you know, why? You know, you, he's doing all these experiments to me. Well, again, Beth has just almost been killed in her bedroom. And the next scene we have with Mason, I'm just going to keep going back to this. I'm sorry. He just, he couldn't care less no. that she was almost murdered and that her landlady was murdered in her house. The sheriff was there. The, Beth has made the connection. She's like, like, I don't, I mean, I guess she's just sort of intuitive. And she's like, you know what? I think Paula and Sheila are the same person. <laughs> She's already there. She's a million miles away, ahead of everybody else. She's figured it out. She, well, and you know, she looked at the the, the monkey girl, and and thinks she looked a little bit like Paula. You know, Chila is gone. Oh she God. she makes the maybe it's a pretty uh, astounding mental jump, but she does make the mental jump, and and in doing so, kind of figures it out. While Mason, again, who couldn't care less that she was almost killed, is like, mm-hmm. oh, Pasha, I got to go do my act. Bye. Uh, but but then she she yeah she gets the call from Dorothy and she she goes to Crestview Sanatorium to go check in on her because Dorothy is scared. Dorothy's saying he keeps doing these experiments to me. I'm scared. And and then and it's abruptly cut off because Dr. Walters has come up and he's going to bring her down and he is actually going to do the experiment on her. And it's probably, you know, it's probably not going to be good for her. So now we have the like sort of the last act of the film. We have two parallel stories happening. We have Mr. Mason obviously doing his big act. And and once more, now he's told, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm harassing this point, but, but he, first of all, he's told, because because uh, Paula has not returned after leaving, obviously in in a huff and turning back into the the monkey. So he doesn't have his helper, who's the only reason he he's able to stay safe. And he's like, I don't care, I'll do it myself. Then he's told there's a there's a lightning storm coming, and we're gonna have torrential weather, so you can't do the act. He's like, Pasha, I'll do it anyway. It doesn't matter. He won't listen to anybody telling him how bad an idea it, this is. So so he's gonna go on with his. They're gonna do a. A, an exhibition for um, a local crowd. Mr. Whipple likes to do that. He says, like, we'll, before they go on tour with the act, we'll do a, do a thing for the locals. Yeah, like a dry run for the locals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's a good idea. It's kind of a, a, a stage thing. So they're going to do that. So that whole thing is happening. Meanwhile, Beth is going to Crestview Sanatorium to go and check in on Dorothy. She gets there. She she's looking. She does. Dorothy's down in her room. She goes down. She goes down to Doctor Walter's office. Doctor Walter's is coming out of his kind of secret door that you know his office leads to his laboratory. And she she Beth isn't having any of it. She's he's like, well, no, 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 no. She's like, no, I want to see Dorothy. And he, and he relents. He's like, okay, you know, follow me. Leads her into the room. You know, while meanwhile the act is happening and Mason is going they, after the animals and stuff. Yeah. Leads her in the room and, and there they are, like with Dorothy on the table and with. Sheila, the gorilla in a cage. And they just, and, and listeners, you have to understand. So, you know, very, very early on in the film, when we first go into Dr. Walter's office, it's very dark and grim. And I mean, it's very, yeah. they're definitely setting a tone that this is an unsafe place. So, again, you know, our heroine Beth is looking for her sister. Her sister's concern wants to leave. Beth is now, you know, in the clutches of this Dr. Walter and Sheila, the, the ape, is in the cage and et cetera. Meanwhile, they keep cutting back to Fred in this friggin' lion cage for like, a, you know, 30 seconds. Then they cut back to Beth being harassed yeah. by the doctor. Then they cut back to the action in the in the Just cage this, with the lions. It's like this. I'm, I'm sorry, this this masturbatory oh my, imagery. Of, oh, my of, gosh. Of, of all this, this carnage in the cage with all these all these lions and stuff and him making them, I don't know, like crouch down and getting his face it close is, to them and doing stuff with the bonkers. whip and stuff. It is, and of course, it's all it's all Clive Beatty kind of B-roll that they shot. And then and then they cut around and they do just, you know, the close ups of of 
the lead actor standing in and stuff. And and again, it matches pretty well. They do a decent job of that. I've, I've seen much worse. I mean, just uh, my, I guess my point, Jim, is like any mood that they're trying to create, you know, now again, we're in the final scene here. So Beth yeah. is clearly in danger yes. in any mood. And, and, and Carradine does a great job playing mm-hmm. this dastardly mad, mad doctor. Right. So they're trying to create this mood and the, and the sister's tied up. And then, you know, the minute you start getting any kind of investment in the scene, they're cutting back to Fred in this in the cage with the lions yeah. and the tigers. Whip, whipping whipping animals. And whipping stuff. animals. And he has this and, gun. He's shooting and, the spark gun. And yeah. And to me, it's it's almost a, a question of like, like which which of these two characters is less likable? I'm not <laughs> sure. Carradine, again, yeah, he's 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 over the edge and he's his experiments are responsible and he's hurting people, but you feel like he's the type of guy that would make sure. Like he would make sure the scalpel that he's going to cut your brain out with is is antiseptic. He's he's that guy. Maybe he's not that's... sloppy. He's not a mess. He's a professional who has you know gone off the track, obviously, but he's still a professional. I guess maybe that's you know I think that's a great point, Jim. And I'm trying to think back, like going back to like Dracula's daughter, who we did. Mm-hmm. Like I think you know like the secretary oh, right. with another lead actor. We we're not like Otto. We couldn't stand right. And it, this yeah. reminds me of this. Like there is just to me. I mean, Carradine does a great job as a villain. There is nobody really, for, in my opinion, really redeeming that I'm either pulling for or I'm in the corner for Except in this Beth. entire movie. Well, well, but 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 Beth. Beth is the hero of the film. Beth is the one who affects all the all the positive at the end of the film. She goes, she rescues Dorothy. She lets, and we'll get to it. She lets Chill out, who ends up saving. So through lack of of a male character stepping up, it's left to Beth to to save the day and and Sheila. So let's let's argue that possibly Beth and Sheila are the two heroes of the of Captive Wild Woman. Yeah, the two women left are you know so we can we, we could talk that scene really quick. So um, Walters turns his back. He's about to. I and I at this point in the movie, my mind is just mush. He's trying <laughs> he to. Men- do, he, he mentions he's grabbing- that Sheila would 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 l- gladly kill him if yeah. he had the chance. For what I guess he's so. I mean, he's her. so his back is turned. So he's yeah. he's on a table. He's grabbing a scalpel. So Beth is able to go to Sheila's cage releases Chila and Chila, you know, immediately goes after the doctor and kills him off screen and Beth and her sister escape. Yeah. And Chila stops and comes back to the doorway and Beth and Dorothy, you know, freeze because they're like, oh, what's going to happen? Right. And, but Chila, I think somehow knows that Mason is in danger and she, she has to go save him. Yeah. But I, I do love that moment where Dr. Walter says, you know, she would gladly kill me if she had the chance. And then he turns around and Beth just sort of looks at the cage and looks at his back and is like, it can't be this easy, right? That was pretty on the nose. So. <laughs> Evelyn Evelyn Ankers plays that moment great. She's like, she does. She's great. There's a moment where she decides, like, am I going to do it? Oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm hell yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she she releases Chila. Chila kills Dr. Walter's. Yeah, and then there's that nice moment where, where Chila looks back at the two women and kind of forgives that Beth is her obstacle in the way of Mason. There, there's like a, I don't know what to, I just got, there's like an altruistic moment this this gorilla has. It's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to protect the man I love and 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 if you guys are happy, then whatever. It's selfless. It's really nice. And we, yeah. we also have this great shot of, you know, they keep cutting to this this outside wall of Crestview Sanatorium with the, with the big placard on the thing and then the mansion kind of up the road in the background. Which obviously is is one of the backlot buildings. I, I don't know which, but um, but we had this great moment. Where we, we've seen that scene a few times, and now we see it with this gorilla galloping down the driveway. 
on the way to the to the circus to go save Mason. It's just the it's so, so ridiculously the only thing, awesome. The only thing, it's so the only thing missing from the the Sheila Beth scene is like the gorilla giving her a wink or a thumbs up. Or, right, right. Like if this, <laughs> if this go, was made girl. today, like you would have got like a a moment with like the sparkling teeth and the thumbs yeah. up and then there'd, she, there'd, yeah, there'd, there'd, was, be a, there'd be a real girl power moment there yes yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, they uh they they um they, they downplay that which um, is fine so yeah, yeah sheila's off to you know go yeah. back to the circus to find fred i guess J- just in time because the storm is hit and it's cracked uh part of the mast thing that holds up the tent and lions and tigers have gotten loose the, the editing here is pretty all over the place because they're combining a lot of found footage or, or you know st- footage that they have and yeah. they do a lot of stuff with the, the cats where like if the, if the cat is going forward they play the the you know the film and then if it's backing up they kind of play the film in reverse so the right, cat right. looks a little weird backing up and stuff but yeah anyway everything's gone to hell um the, the power kind of flickers out the, the things fall down tigers and lions are all over the place they're getting out of the cage they're the crowd and the band are running for their lives I mean, they're um, getting out of the tent, right? I mean, it seems yeah. like everything is just gone to holy hell. Like, yeah, they, and the guys are trying to hold the tent up. They're trying to keep the, yeah, the staves I mean, in there and stuff. Thunder and, lightning. We have lions on the loose. We have tigers now on the loose. Go, and, God knows and I where. Just say, I just want to say one last time. This is all Mason's fault. He's yeah. the one who irresponsibly d- demanded that this show goes on. And I know so, the, show, you, the show goes on, but in the face blame, of... But Jim, do you blame the bratty kid or do you blame the parent? Right. Mm. Yeah. No, no I'm saying Mason, not, not Whipple. It's, is it's it Whipple's Mason. fault or is it is it Fred? Oh, I don't know. I see what you're saying. I, you know what? Yeah. May, maybe there's a moment where he should have finally stood up to the guy. You're, maybe you're right. Because it it's not Mason's circus. It's Whipple's circus. This, yep. is, this, this is interesting. Interesting. Is is Dr. Frankenstein at fault for everybody that his, his monster kills, right? Because he's mm. the he's the one who did you did it. Um where yeah, you're right. Where does the buck stop? Mason is finally at one of the animals gets gets on top of him and it's it's going for him. It's clawing him up and stuff, and he's in serious, serious trouble. Uh luckily Chila shows up just in time with the monkey powers. Monkey powers. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she's this is Nero, right? This is the the, the lion that everyone the killer. Yeah, about. we didn't yeah, really talk so Nero a whole lot about. Finally, getting to sink his teeth in, into Mason a little bit. Um, yeah. So if you remember, Nero was the killer from very early on that nobody right. wanted to touch. He killed natives. He killed. He injured somebody on coming back from the island. So now it's yeah, Nero on top of Fred, and he's you know clawing him, and Fred is getting bloody, and it's, you know a little little graphic. But yeah, luckily Chila's there to uh, to step in and and rescue yeah. our, our body, and, Fred. And this is one of those points where I'm I'm sorry, but I I'm honestly just rooting for the animals to eat everybody. <laughs> but you know what? They all at this point they all had it coming. It's full um, redemption, yeah. yeah. But but uh but Sheila does show up and does again the, the monkey hypnosis thing. Uh Nero backs off. Sheila Sheila gets in there and picks up Mason and carries him off, which should actually be the poster instead of instead of the, all the posters of the gorilla carrying Aquanetta, the, the poster should actually be the gorilla carrying Fred Mason. Imagine that as a poster. <laughs> yeah. 1943. <laughs> um, someone, someone should, should redo, redo the poster to, to more uh, uh, reflect the, the actual narrative of the, the film. She carries him out. She's rescued him. But of course this kind of flat foot cop shows up and is like, Oh, it's a gorilla. And he shoots Sheila. Sheila kind of drops Mason and then Sheila falls next to him. Sheila walks into the cage, picks up Fred, throws him over her shoulder, walks out of yeah. the cage. And like you said, the cop shows up, sees just this gorilla, I guess, assumes that, the gorilla's attacking Fred and going to hurt Fred. So right. shoots and kills Sheila. So she falls dead. And 
Yeah, little uh, a little bit of an emotional scene. Beth and Dorothy, you know, show up from the san- sanatorium. Chill obviously was able to gallop to the circus faster than Beth was able to drive there. Maybe they stopped for you know food on the way or something. Ga- gallop uh, is the perfect word, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, Ray Corrigan has this amazing ability to like you. You watch just that one. I could watch that one shot over and over again where he's you know the the suit has this shoulder area built up massively, so so you get this humongous upper body thing of this gorilla costume and he's i mean he's doing a decent i mean as fast as you could jog ray crash corrigan can maneuver this gorilla suit you know to, to gallop and sing and and as as someone who has worn a gorilla suit in movies i will i will i will say firsthand you know first of all you, you can't see anything through the mask it, it's stiflingly hot it's it's very hard to breathe the gloves make it difficult to feel everything and stuff like that. So, so anybody who can manipulate a, a costume like this, be it Crash Corrigan or uh, Rick Baker in in the Dino De Laurentiis King Kong movie, anyone who works in in that full covered you know prosthetic or, or, or costume kind of outfit, my hats off to them because that's that's its own very rarefied skill set. You know, we've you know we've had a lot, and again, we're I mean we're basically at the end of the film, so we've had a lot of fun. You know. I don't say poking fun, but we've had a good yeah. time. But you know, it, with all seriousness, there is some real talent on screen. I mean, Clyde Betty, what he's able to do with these animals. This is true. The, in the filmmaking, that to be able to film some of these shots, that was fantastic. That the very is real not, danger that that be yes. put. I mean, there is true all the there's, time. There is true skill, camera yeah. work, training that you have you don't see in any other yeah. Universal film. So and, and and editing too, because again, like yes. I said, like trying to make a, a logical story out of out of these two kind of conflicting parts, um, and being able to shoot those insert shots of all um, oh, Milburn Stone those those insert shots of Milburn that match so well with what Clive is doing, and and the editing that you know brings those things together. No, there, there's a lot of skillfulness that that put that makes Captive Wild Woman the, the watchable thing. And it is watchable. It's fun. It's not sleaze. You know, it's, again, from my personal taste, I don't know how often I would personally revisit this, but you do have to appreciate the skill. There. I mean, you can see it yes. on on the camera, so you've got to give your hats off to that. I'm this sure. does make me interested to see uh, Jungle Woman and Jungle Captive, uh, the follow up films, and and see where they where they take this Aquanetta kind of story. Anyway, so so just to finish out the film, um, Mason is is he scratched up? He's kind of in bad shape, and they're going to have to try and you know get him taken care. They do say go get the vet veterinarian at the end. It's it's like the it's like <laughs> it's like the end of um, Man Made Monster where they're like or not uh, House of Horrors where they say like go get a doctor for the brute man, you know. And I think that's them leaving this open for a sequel. So we're not sure that Sheila is dead. Sheila is definitely shot or maybe injured, but we'll see uh, how this goes. And we will see how it goes. I, I haven't seen these sequel films. I'm, I'm anxious to see how they I, go. I haven't either. And you can you sometimes tell, I mean, there's not a, I mean, Universal doesn't have a ton of se- like direct sequels, but when they do, they leave the door pretty wide open. Yeah. And yeah. this is left wide open. So they That's had an idea. Do, yeah. I think yeah. just how, you know, how heavily featured Aquanetta is in the billing and the posters, like they had a plan. Which is, she, you know, she is there. She is there, Panther Woman. You know, so we wrap this kind of thing up very quickly. Again, it, it's this universal thing where they the, the story just kind of stops at the end, and then we have something that I I don't know. This is something out of Ed Wood, where we have like a flashback to the sanatorium and 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 some some imagery of uh, some footage of John Carradine, and there's like a weird dubbed over. Like it's not a monologue. It's 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 like it's, it's like you know, a warning it's like, almost, they right? Wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, this is what happens. You know, this is why pe- pe- human beings shouldn't meddle and things right, be right, control. Right. Like I, 
I don't know if that was a, I mean, cause obviously it's done after the film is, is, is shot and, and edited uh, cause it's a voiceover thing. I don't know if that was a choice to try to wrap up the story and make it, you know, put a little bow on it and, and, and end the f- end of film that maybe the ending hadn't really worked out as well, or if it was an attempt to uh, get this film past censorship. Yeah. I mean, I had read quite a bit. I mean, the, the stuff that I could find was a lot about the censorship. Like they had yeah. a real issue with the whole brain transplant that I guess in this, <laughs> in the censor's minds, so the brain yeah. equals a soul. So you yes. can't. That's interesting. That makes yeah. sense. I mean, if you transplant, you know, brain of a human woman into an ape, so the soul of this woman is now going to be in the ape. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. They're fine with the bestiality overtones, right? But 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 that's their oh, that's, that's fine, their sticking point. Yeah, you don't um, want to mess with uh <laughs> mess with because the because the other weird thing is is it's actually his his nurse's brain in the in the in Aquanetta. Like so how does that factor into that? Like it's, it's, it's Dorothy's sort of glands and then it's, it's the gorilla body and then it's, it's the, the nurse. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so yeah. How does, how does that equate out? I don't know. And, and like I, if I, yeah, if I had one question leaving this movie and maybe someone listening, you know, has a better grasp on this than certainly me, I'm still a little bit uncertain about what he used the nurse for. If it was, a, again, everything I've read, it, it was a, either a partial brain yeah. Or the cerebral, you know, cerebral, cerebral fluid, maybe it's not the entire or, brain. Yeah. I'm not, sh- yeah, I'm not sure what he actually did with the nurse, right? Because it does seem like it is still, it is still Sheila's mind controlling Paula Dupree, right? I mean, it's it's the gorilla mind. She doesn't have a if they if they full on transplanted the nurse's brain into her, she would wouldn't she within the logic of the film? Wouldn't she just be the nurse in inside another woman's you would body? Think. Well, she wouldn't it, have the. Well, the whole reason he needed Dorothy in the first place, because, and again, going back early in the film, that she had a very type of cyst that gave off this very specific hormone or gland. Right. So it was, it was Dorothy specific he needed to yes. you know, make this experiment work. work. So now that he now has this nurse, it seems like he was able to replace Dorothy with this nurse, you know, without, you know, there being any kind of an issue. Now, if it's like the gland, the whole gland thing, or what made Dorothy special in the first place doesn't matter anymore, right? It's, it's possible the logic does not hold up. Possibly. <laughs> but but the movie does. The movie is, I mean, look, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's got acting. It's got, you know, some excitement in it. It's Lucky got a gorilla power. in it. Yeah. So so I'm 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 on board. This was an interesting one to to pick apart with you. Way more fun doing this than watching the movie, I think. And we, <laughs> sure. you, you coined the t- the term monkey power, which is gonna be in my my <laughs> it's gonna there be in go. my brain all night. I'll use my um, monkey powers on you. <laughs> monkeys and submarines so no yes. we had this has been a lot of fun so yeah really totally good, good work always good and and one one more notch on the bedpost for us uh as far as going through these uh these films and stuff it's it's all it's always good to, uh talking with you about these absolutely man all right good talking right. to you thanks so much and um tune in next time to the yeah. bogo pass horror podcast thanks guys thank you for listening to this episode but the fun does not stop here You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Gould. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Podcast.